Well, good morning again, everyone. And I want to begin by saying welcome now, not only to those of you who are here in our contemporary service, but welcome also especially, especially to those of you who are joining us in our traditional sanctuary right now and also via broadcast. I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad we can all be a part of this together. I'm glad we can learn from God's Word and listen to God speaking to us together. We're doing something a little bit different today. I want to talk to you today about dreams. I want to talk to you about the dreams that God has for us. But first, starting with the dreams that we experience on a more regular basis. You know, sleep scientists tell us, and, and by the way, doesn't that sound like a cool job? Who doesn't want to be a sleep scientist? Doesn't that sound awesome? I would like to test that on myself a lot. But sleep scientists tell us that, uh, that everybody dreams. Whether you're someone who remembers your dreams or not, they tell us that everybody dreams a lot. Like people dream like 20 or 30 times every night, and the ones you remember are oftentimes the ones that you might wake up during or the last one you have in the morning or something like that. I don't know if any of you have like any recurring dreams or dreams that are like you've told stories about because they're just really funny, ridiculous dreams. I don't have any recurring dreams, but I do have a recurring dream category. Uh, that's probably even more ridiculous, but I have what I will sometimes tell Amy, my wife, you know, I had another one of my action adventure dreams last night. And in these dreams, I am often by, I'm by myself or maybe have like one companion and all the bad guys are coming for me or us. And I have to orchestrate some sort of escape and to get out of the house or get through the woods or whatever it is. And then usually right at the moment when I'm like either going to die or make it, I wake up. And I think this is a result of watching too many Rambo movies as a kid or something like that. Uh, but this is, these are my action adventure dreams. And as long as I'm doing true confessions up here, I had this strange dream about a month ago. I actually had it two weeks in a row. I never had it before, never had it since. And they were both a little different, but they were similar to one another. It was back before Christmas, and I was dreaming about a Sunday morning. I was dreaming about this moment right now when I would stand up to teach, to share with you as I do so often, except that in my dream I stood up and went, I don't really have any recollection of what I was going to say right now. <laughs> so I think what I said instead was, hey, let's keep worshiping God. We're going to sing another song right now. And then I like walked off and I ran to my office and checked my notes and you all were so gracious in my dream. You were just really very supportive, so thank you for that. I know like you weren't even there, but your generosity of spirit was overwhelming, so thank you for that. I don't know, maybe you have dreams like that, dreams that reflect things that you hope for, things that re dreams that reflect things that you care a lot about. I care a lot about this time that we have together. It was certainly on my mind. Maybe some dreams that reflect some fears of yours, perhaps. Maybe there are some dreams that you don't have to fall asleep to dream. Maybe there are dreams that you have for your life. Maybe dreams that you have for family. Maybe dreams that you have for your career. Maybe God has put some dreams in you. Some stuff that he's stirring in your heart. Some things that God would like to see happen in your life. Some things that God would like to call into being through you or for your sake or among you and your community of people. I wonder if God even maybe has put some dreams in you. I believe that he has put some dreams in us together for his plans for this church community, for this church family. The story that we read from the scriptures today in both of our worship venues was a story of a dream. It was a story of a guy who I think, Joseph, was a dreamer while he was awake and also got this special dream while he was sleeping. But before we can really learn about the dream that God gave him, 
we kind of have to just stop for a minute and get some of the backstory that his dream was a part of. It's sort of like that feeling, and I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but a lot of times if I walk into a room and people are watching a TV show or a movie and it's like halfway over, I can be really annoying. Like, <laughs> I gotta ask, like, who's that guy and why are they together and what happened? And sooner or later, somebody's just gotta like press pause <laughs> and catch me up so I'll stop talking and then we can press play on the movie again and keep going. I gotta press pause for a second here on Joseph and go back to the beginning and, and catch up to see the, what sense Joseph's dream makes in a much longer story. And I wanna go back just for a minute all the way back to the beginning of the Bible story. All the way back to the beginning of the book of Genesis to the story of the beginnings of the heaven and the earth. And way back then, it tells us about a dream that God began to dream that later included this Joseph character. Way back when God had a dream of a harmonious and perfect world. A world where everything was in perfect order. A world where all the relationships among human beings were always good all the time. They were good. All the relationships between men and women were always good all the time. Cool dream, huh? God had that kind of dream for us. Where all the relationships between human beings and the natural world were good. Where all the relationships between human beings and their maker were good. And in the Bible story, in the book of Genesis, it says, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very Good. And then at the end of that story, kind of the climax of the creation story, it says that God created human beings, male and female, he created them. He created them in his own image. And a long, long time ago, in the ancient world, when these stories were being written, there were sometimes kings who would become more successful and more powerful than others around, and they would conquer distant lands. And if you were the king, for example, of like, say, just Babylon, an ancient city, an ancient empire, and the center of your empire was way over in what is now the country of Iraq, it could also be called in history Mesopotamia, and it's way inland, kind of north, central, Middle East, but you conquered lands that were far away, maybe the coastal plains near the Mediterranean Sea, beautiful country that you would want to add to your empire. But you wanted the people there to know that you were the king. You still had to be in charge of that place. But it was very difficult to hop a plane and hold a press conference to remind them that you were in charge. So what you did instead, ancient kings had this practice that they would build a statue of themselves in that place. And they would locate these statues in all the distant corners of their empire. They would be made in their image. It would be an image of this king who really ruled this territory. And, it would, and they would, the statues in their image would offer legitimacy, they would, they would authorize kind of this king's lieutenants, his under kings, his vassals, who were in that place because they reigned in the image and name of the real king. And it's in this environment that the author of Genesis writes that God created human beings in his image. And then he said to them, now I want you to exercise dominion, that's the old translation, or rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals on the earth I want you to be there to represent my identity and my reign and my rule in this place. Our call as human beings originally was to be God reflectors in the world. We're there to reflect God's reign and God's character and rule in the world. This is our original vocation. It is the calling or the vocation for every human being from the beginning of time and all around the world right now. We are all made to be God reflectors. Now sometimes, that doesn't go so well. There's a lot of cloudy reflections among us. There's a lot of shattered reflectors and mirrors and have been throughout human history. And the Bible is very honest about this. It's one of my favorite things about the Bible is that it's so honest about the sins and faults of its heroes. 
And right after the creation story is the story of the fall of humanity, of people who are kind of our prototypes, who are just like us, who think, you know, I'm not so sure that I'm interested in being a God reflector. I'd probably rather reflect myself. I mean, I don't know about what God commanded me to do. Is that really what he said? Or maybe it was something different. And we like to start, we like to reflect our own will and be in command ourselves. We like to be the master of our own destiny, the captain of our own fate. We wanna be in charge. And so we have thrown off our vocation and our calling to be God reflectors and have started to reflect all kinds of other things, certainly ourselves among them. And the results of this have been disastrous. This has not gone well for us. This has brought all kinds of pain into our own lives and into human community. But God was not about to give up on this dream. This is the dream of God that continues throughout the story of scripture. And after this, sometime later, God calls to himself some, one of these broken reflectors, two of them, Abraham and Sarah. And he calls them to be his people. He says, I'm gonna be your God and I will make you my people. And I'm gonna bless you and I want you to be a blessing to the world, right? I want you to reflect me as I bless you, you bless the world. This is the same kind of calling. And he tells Abraham and Sarah that I'm gonna make of you a great nation, which is a pretty audacious promise because they had no children and the Bible says they were well advanced in years. <laughs> and they had no children. And yet God says, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. And miraculously, they have descendants and those descendants, they have grandkids and great grandkids that become numerous. And several generations later, these descendants of Abraham, these people who came to be called Hebrews or Israelites, they found themselves in Egypt and as they became more numerous in Egypt, they became enslaved to the people of Egypt. And they lived a hard life in that place. And they cried out to the God who had revealed himself to their ancestors for salvation, to set them free from this place. And they cried out for a long time, for hundreds of years. And one day God calls to a guy named Moses, a unique guy. He sends Moses into Israel to rescue the Israelites. But this is what he says to Moses. He says, I have heard my people's cry. I've heard my people's cry. That's one of the most foundational things we learn about God in the Old Testament, that he hears the cry of the suffering of his people, of his creatures around the world. And I think as we become God reflectors, one of the things that happens in us is that we also hear the cry of the suffering. I want you to know God hears your cry. And God said to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. And he sends Moses into Israel. And Moses, who doubles as Charlton Heston, says, let my people go. <laughs> And he's talking to Pharaoh, this powerful king in Egypt, and eventually through a series of miracles, Pharaoh is convinced to let my people go, and Israel is rescued from Egypt, and they're sent out toward the promised land, through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, so that they can go be God reflectors. God says to Moses, to Pharaoh, to everybody who will listen in the Exodus story, I'm doing this so that they will know that I am God. I want you to be my reflectors in the world. And then they get out into the wilderness and they're out of this country they've lived in and now they're this group of people with no country yet. And God gives them a law. He gives them most famously among these laws of the Ten Commandments. Does anybody remember what the first words of the Ten Commandments are? It might surprise you. The first words are these. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, that's not a commandment, right? That's, that's, that's the, but that's the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And in the old Jewish way of counting, in Old Testament times, they counted that as the first commandment. They pressed some other ones together so they'd still have ten. But they counted that as the first of the Ten Commandments. That's not a commandment, yet it's a statement of identity. 
And as I am calling you to be my reflectors in this world, first, God says, I gotta tell you who I am. I am the God who heard your cry when you are suffering. I am the God who saves my people. I set them free. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now here's how I want you to live. And he gives them these commandments that include things like do not, or it starts with uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. On the seventh day you shall rest. Why would the seventh day be significant? Well, God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. I want you to reflect my character. I want you to be reflectors of me in this world. And as you do that, by the way, also, um, you don't make your servants or your slaves or anybody else work for you. You are a person of compassion. You have compassion on those who serve you. Reflect my character. God tells them things like, do not murder, right? Because God is the author of life, and he wants us to be respecters and preservers of life and not destroyers of life. He tells his people, you shall not commit adultery because God is a God of covenant keeping. He's a faithful God who keeps his promises. He wants his people to reflect his character where God reflectors in the world. You shall not bear false witness, right? You don't lie, you tell the truth because God is a God, is a God of his word and his word will never fail. What he speaks is truth and he wants us to be people of truth as he also is faithful to his word. God has called his people to be God reflectors in the world. And if we go on through the story of God's people in the scriptures, and we could do this for hours, but I promise we won't. You could go on and on through cycles of times when God's people have been faithful to this calling, to this vocation to be God reflectors, and long periods also where they rebelled against that again and didn't want to have anything to do with it. And there are periods of blessing and there are periods of discipline and punishment in the Old Testament. And during these periods of exile and discipline, God continued with this dream Though we would be unfaithful in this calling, yet God's love and call will go on and on and will not fail. And he began to put this dream in the hearts of the prophets. And he put it in the hearts of the prophets and he put it in the lips of the prophets. That one day God would send a savior. One like a son of man, the Old Testament prophets said. Isn't that an interesting title? One like a son of man, a, a human being. Someone who would be a faithful human being, who would be the God reflector that God called human beings to be, to finally be truly human, but who would also participate in the identity of God. I will send the Savior, this Messiah, this Lord. And the prophets spoke it, and they taught the nation of Israel in the Old Testament to dream this dream. And they spoke it, and they dreamed it, and they waited, and they waited. Hundreds of years, they waited. And one day there was an Israelite whose name was Joseph. And the Bible says that he was a righteous man. In some translations it says he was faithful to the law, which doesn't only mean faithful to the law in the sense of obeying the commandments, but law is another word for the Bible, for the scriptures, for the Old Testament in this context. He was faithful to the law and also to the teachings and the dreams of the prophets. I'm sure that Joseph was, had learned these dreams of God to dream and hope for and look forward to the Savior to see someone who would truly reflect God's character, who would bring hope again to the nation of Israel, but not just to one little nation somewhere, but hope for all the world. And that someone would come, the Savior would come and teach the ways of God to the world. And Joseph, like so many before him, dreamed this dream while he was awake. And then we can unpress the pause button. And God sent an angel to Joseph. And while he was sleeping one night, sent him a message in a dream and said that the Savior was coming, that Joseph was gonna be the dad to the Savior. He was gonna raise him and mentor him and teach him a craft, and that he should call his name Jesus, which means he saves. And people would also call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a powerful image, 
harking back all the way to the beginning of God's dream when God and the human beings were together in the garden and everything was good, not separated from him by sin as we have been ever since, but this is the dream coming true again. And Joseph, in that moment, he, he saw more of God's dream than he had ever seen before in his life. And he began to see more of God's dream than anybody else had ever seen. Joseph saw but there were some things that Joseph also didn't know. There were pieces of the dream he had no idea. I'm sure Joseph just couldn't have imagined that as God's Savior, as God's Messiah would grow up in Israel, that the teachers of Israel would reject him. How could that have happened? I, I can't really imagine that Joseph would have imagined that as the Messiah grew up, that he would inaugurate the kingdom of God in such a way that it would include Gentiles like you and me, people who aren't Israelites at all, and bring them into the family of God. I'm sure Joseph had no inkling yet at this time that as the Messiah grew in his family and among his people that one day he'd be killed by his own people. And because he had no idea that he could possibly be killed, he never foresaw that God would win the greatest victory of all time in raising him again from the dead. There were things that Joseph saw so clearly and there's so much that he didn't see. But God gave Joseph this dream and he gave it to him, I think, like a, imagine like, a, like one tile in a mosaic, right? And God brought together that which he had revealed to Joseph together with all the tiles of the mosaic that had come before in the hearts and dreams of the prophets and the story of their ancestors and in the scripture of the Old Testament with all the dreams that have come before and Joseph's tile was right in the middle there and God continued to put his dreams in other people. You know, like Mary needed a dream real soon. God had some explaining to do to her, I'm pretty sure. And so God sent a dream to Mary and then God put dreams in the hearts of all the other people who would eventually come and follow Jesus. And he started to create this full picture of what he was doing and restoring his world again, calling his people to reflect him as he always dreamed that they would. And soon there was this community of human beings gathered around Jesus, the Son of Man, coming to know God in the way of Jesus, being apprenticed in the way of God in Jesus, becoming human, really, truly, deeply human again, perhaps for the very first time. And Jesus said to them, once when they were gathered together, he spoke to his disciples and to the crowds, and he said to them, you're the light of the world. And he told them, let your light shine. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works, that they may see what God is doing in you so that they may glorify God. You will finally be God reflectors. You will be in me and around me what God always meant for human community to be. And Jesus spoke those words to his first disciples and through them also to us. And the story just keeps on going. And here we are. You know, last Sunday we celebrated 125 years of our history, reaching just a little bit farther back toward the time of the scriptures. And the Christian history goes back on and on behind that. We're part of this story. We're part of this dream. And as God has done these powerful things, even in the community that has called itself First Lutheran Church and also a few other names during 125 years, he continues to dream his dreams in us now. And I believe that God has put dreams in you, maybe when you're sleeping, I bet also when you're awake, dreams of what he wants to do in you and your family and this church community and dreams that we dream together. And there are some things that we know, there are some pieces of the mosaic that are just, they're right there in the center of the picture already. We know our calling, our mission, what God has assigned to us as a church community. It's what Jesus himself gave to us in the scriptures, to be and make disciples of him. Our calling is to be disciples of Jesus, to be apprenticed to him in the way of life and in the knowledge of God. And our calling is to make disciples, 
to share the grace and hope of Jesus Christ and the way of life in Christ and the knowledge of God with those who do not know him yet. We know that our calling is to be and make disciples of Jesus, but yet God is still putting more tiles into the picture. He's fleshing out the picture for us. And as a church community, we're part of something, a process right now that we've been sharing in. We're calling it Vision 2020. We're seeking God's dreams for the next five to 10 years of our future together. And some of you may have been a part of the prayer vigil that was going on since our 125th anniversary last weekend. I know a lot of you are receiving the emails that I sent out each day this week inviting you to prayer and preparation for this day. Some of, us, some of our staff members actually led some focus groups back before Christmas just to help us get ready for this day. And many of you were a part, some of you were a part of those already. And now here today, I want to ask you, what are those dreams that God is stirring in you? And I want to invite you in, in both worship venues right now, please, in the traditional sanctuary also, in your worship bulletin is a pretty big postcard. Would everybody please take that out? And if you don't have one, our ushers are going to come up the aisles in both of our worship venues and make sure everybody in the room has one and also a writing utensil. You're going to want to write on those. If you don't have a postcard or a pen or pencil or, you know, crayon or whatever you want to use, uh, they're coming up the aisles and you can get one from them. And on that card, what I want to do here, and this is kind of unusual, I know, a strange, different, a different way for us to end, but in just a minute, I want to pray for us and pray a prayer of blessing over this time. And then I want to leave some time for all of us to respond to God's work in us this way today. To do a little prayerful brainstorming, dreaming, thinking about the dreams that God is stirring in you. What dream is God putting in your heart? What, what do you, how do you think God wants to be reflected in you, in your family, in this church community? How does God want to make this church community a place that will impact its neighborhood and its community? What kind of church does God dream in you that this church community could be for the sake of your friends, for the sake of your neighbors, for the sake of your coworkers, for the sake of your children, for the sake of your grandchildren? God is dreaming a dream for us to reflect him in our world, in the lives and the worlds that we touch. And I want to see the mosaic tiles come into place. And each one of those postcards you have is a tile in the mosaic. And so in just a minute, I want to pray for us. And then I want to give you a little bit of time while we're going to have some music in both of our worship venues. And during that time, please just listen, pray, think, dream, and write on that large postcard. And then again, in both of our worship venues, we're going to come forward and share the Lord's Supper together, which is itself a little bit of a, a dream. It's a little bit of a foretaste of the feast to come, when God gathers people from all walks of life and every tribe and tongue and nation and brings them to sit around his great banqueting table in heaven. And here we just begin the beginning of that feast. And when you come forward for communion, I want you to bring those postcards with you and there'll be a basket up there in both rooms on your way up to receiving the elements of communion. And you can just drop it in that basket and we're gonna read through those this week. And I'm gonna keep in touch with you over the course of the coming months as we begin to chart together some of the details of our course together into the future that God is creating for us, into the dreams that he has for us, for us to reflect his character and his grace and his hope and his way here in our world. So let me pray for us and I wanna give a little time for us to pray together and to think and you can write on those cards. Let's pray together. Good and gracious God, I thank you for your good dreams, for your world, for your good intentions, for your creation. And I thank you for your incredible grace that, that your love goes on and on and you just wouldn't give up on us even when we gave up on you. And God, I pray that during this time 
that by your spirit you would stir in us those things you have stirred in us before. Or if it's your will to place new dreams in our hearts. God, I pray that you would just speak to us in this time, that you would make this a holy time of listening to you, and that you would help us imagine and see the kind of calling that you have for us as, as individuals or families, as small communities, and as a church family together. And then inspire us and empower us to reflect your goodness in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.